Hey everybody, it's Joel Johnson here. You are either listening to the Rainmaker Evolution podcast or you're listening to Ideas at Work from the AE Insider. Uh, either way, we're going to be talking about some great stuff today. Before we get started, I want to just make sure that uh, you understand that anything I say today, uh, if you have responsibilities to a broker-dealer, uh, if you have responsibilities to FINRA, to an insurance commissioner, uh, or to the SEC as a registered investment advisor, you need to make sure that if you use any of these things, that they are taken to your compliance department and approved. You are responsible for your own compliance. Neither I nor Advisors Excel are responsible for anything you do out there on your own. Please do not come back to any of us. With that said, I want to talk about something that I think is very, very important and that uh, kind of bothers me about uh, what I see in our industry. Uh, as I've gotten to know a lot of people in this business, and I've been in this business for now almost 26 years, uh, actually it was 26 years in June of 2015, I found that a lot of advisors get to the end of their careers or get near the end of their careers, and uh, quite frankly, their financial lives, even though they've helped people financially for all their lives, their financial lives are quite a bit of a train wreck. Um, they end up not having saved enough money. They end up uh, having all kinds of bad business deals that have gone wrong throughout their lives that have cost them all kinds of opportunity and stress and so on. So I want to talk about some of the basics today. And for some of you that are thinking, well, this is going to be a little rudimentary, um, I don't think it is going to be. If you had any idea, um, like I do and like some of the other guys that I've talked to, about how many people in our business arrive in their 50s, uh, 55 years old, 65 years old, and just have made a mess of their lives financially after they're supposedly serving others, uh, you would be absolutely shocked. So let's talk about some basic, basic, basic things. This is whether you're young, you're old, you've got three employees, you've got zero employees, or whether you've got 50 employees. It doesn't really matter to me. Number one, treat yourself like a business. Go to the bank, get a business line of credit, tie it to a business checking account. Now, there's a hint there. You should have a business checking account. You should also have a business line of credit. Uh, your wife, if you're a man, your wife needs to know that every month or every two weeks, there's going to be a certain amount of money deposited in her checkbook that she can support the household in uh, every two weeks. Uh, if you're a wife and you are the breadwinner in the household, your husband needs to know that there's a certain amount. Treat it as if uh, you worked for another company and you were bringing home a paycheck. They need to see it that way. Um, they, people that we are married to in this business, uh, see our lives as very risky. We go from deal to deal. We have a huge month, and then we'll go three or four months with not having enough money, and it causes a lot of turmoil in marriages, and it causes a lot of turmoil in their lives. They deserve to allow us to be able to do what we do and have the kind of fun that we do, uh, they deserve to have some stability and cash flow. So go to the bank, get a line of credit, set yourself up so that you take 3000 home every two weeks or 10000 home every two weeks. It doesn't really matter what the number is. Make it an amount that you can run your household on, be comfortable, do some fun things, and so on, and make sure that's the amount that's coming in every week. If you don't have the cash flow in one month to pay yourself that much, then take it out of the line of credit. If you have extra cash flow in one month, don't take it all out of the business. Leave it in the business. Treat yourself as if you were a big business like General Motors or General Electric or uh, any other large company for that matter, they use their line of credit to be able to smooth out their cash flow. So that's a very, very important thing. When I was a young agent with Northwestern Mutual, 
Um, for a while, I had a general agent that was kind of acting as our bank, and then he retired, and we got a new guy in. New guy in came in and said, I'm not going to be your bank anymore. The general agent was actually fronting us salaries for our staff, and we could pay him back if we had a bad month and things like that. He said, I'm not going to do that anymore. And uh, I asked the guy, well, what should I do? And the guy's name, guy's name was Randy Riley. He said, you go down to the bank, you get a business line of credit. They're going to have you sign away. You know, you got to sign collateral on your house, make it $50,000, $100,000, whatever it is. Your staff needs to go there, needs to know they're going to be paid no matter what. And your spouse needs to know she's going to have the right amount of money every month no matter what. And so do that. So that's uh, tip number one. Uh, tip number two is, in my opinion, you should make your employees employees, not 1099 contractors. I stand pretty firm on this. Um, some of you guys out there are making a lot of money, and you try to make people 1099s because you're cheap or because uh, you just kind of want to um, you know, see if you can get out of some kind of regulations or paying their Social Security and so on. Now, some of you don't do it that for that reason. You do it for the right reasons. Maybe you feel like they are independent contractors and so on, or especially if you have associate agents like we do. Uh, but in my opinion, I think you should make your employees, the people that show up every day and work with you and for you, W-2 employees. Make them real employees. Pay into workman's compensation for them. Pay that part of their social security that employer pays. Uh, set them up with some health insurance. We have health insurance for all of our employees. We contribute to a health insurance plan that's set up by uh, the chamber in the state of Connecticut, chamber of commerce in the state of Connecticut, where they have five choices. They can pick whatever plan they want. I contribute a fixed amount to the plan. If they want to spend extra money, that comes out of their pocket. Um, if they want to choose a simple plan, then uh, if they're single, they can certainly have one that's completely 100% subsidized by us as a company. That's what they're going to get in the workplace if they're a good worker. We have a 401k plan. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But make your employees employees. Make sure they're insured keep your house in order, do the right thing there. Um, and especially if you are growing with associate agents, if you expect to be able to enforce an associate agent agreement that says the clients belong to the firm, and if you want those associations to, come, to uh, add up to certain standards, uh, sales standards, if you want them to show up at sales meetings, if you want them to show up in your office at a certain time, if you want to have any kind of influence or control over their schedule, you are treating them like as employees and you will lose every time if you now go after them, if you treated them like independent contractors and now you try to go after them for taking your clients. Uh, if you treat them as independent contractors, they have every right to go after their, your clients. Treat them as employees, the employees can be, um, the employees, the excuse me, the clients can be um, clients of the firm, and they are simply a worker at the firm. And not that we would go after people if they left us. We'd probably support them if they felt like they could go off on their own. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but at least you, you treated them the right way. I think if somebody is willing to come work here, work in my environment where we're having fun, but we're taking risks and we're moving fast, I'm willing to invest in them. And to say to somebody, I'm willing to invest in you, but not enough to make you an employee, just doesn't make any sense to me. Offer good benefits packages, health insurance, 401K. We pay 100% of long-term disability for our employees. I want our employees, if they work with us for a long time, to, uh, to, to have their lives changed because they worked here at this firm. Number three, set up a retirement plan for your company. Now we're going to get into some of the savings things for you. Okay, Set up a 401K. If you are over 50, you can contribute up to $53,000 into a 401K. If you don't want to give your employees any money, set up a 401k anyway 
and if you're over 50, you can get up to, I think it's $23,000 if you're over 50, and $18,500 if you're uh, under 50. So you can get a significant amount away in the 401k. We have a 401k that has a, what's called a safe harbor provision. That means every one of my employees, once they're here for a year, gets automatically 3% of their salary contributed to us. It's not a match. It's an automatic 3%. If they want to put in money, that's over and above what we put in for them, the automatic 3%. And then every year, I make a profit-sharing contribution. If you get a good third-party administrator, if you don't try to be cheap with this, you can have a third-party administrator design the firm for you. So if you're an older advisor, let's say in your 50s, and you have a lot of employees in your 30s and 40s, you can all contribute the max under your salary deferral. Let's say you're in your 50s, you can get up that 23000 in. And to get yourself up to the 53000 which would be another 30000 you can have your third-party administrator run a formula. And he will say, for instance, Joel, if you want to put in 30000 for yourself, here's what you have to put in for all the other people. You get to decide that in the end of the year. You can decide to put nothing in or something in if you want to. That has nothing to do with the regular 401k where your employees can defer money into and a match that you have. And so treat it right. Treat it like a business. Try to retain employees. You've got good people, and if you're trying to be a good financial steward, uh, you ought to be offering some of these benefits. Now let's get into the uh, individual planning that an advisor should have. You should be saving, in my opinion, 10 to 15% of your income every year. Um, even when I could barely afford it, uh, we would save 10 to 15% of our income every year right off the top. I don't like budgets. Those of you that know me know I like to be kind of spontaneous. I've never liked to work off budgets, and so I figured years ago if I, if I paid myself first, if I Pay, uh, save 10 to 15% of my income into some kind of a long-term plan for my future, then I could just spend what was left over. Now, obviously, you can do that in 401k. You can do it in life insurance. Um, you can do it however you want, but try to save that 10 to 15%. Uh, number six is buy adequate disability insurance and buy adequate life insurance. Some of you, we talked about our spouses and what they go through and our kids, what they go through. And some of you are living a very high lifestyle, and if you lost your earning power, your family would be in deep, deep trouble. Buy an adequate amount of disability insurance. I have as much disability insurance as the companies will sell me. If I'm disabled permanently after a year goes by, I actually get a $2 million lump sum. Uh, if there is uh, uh, other disabilities uh, that, that aren't necessarily permanent, um, but they could be long-term, short-term, doesn't matter. I get well over 10000 might be 15000 a month of tax-free income coming in to pay the bills uh, if I can't work. Uh, my business is going to have a hard enough time surviving without me, uh, and actually we're set up pretty well so that could happen, but I want to make sure that we've got the income. So buy disability insurance, buy an adequate amount of life insurance. As far as you know, long-term savings goes and so on, there are so many advisors in this business that if they hadn't bought their buildings, they would have nothing because they've spent every nickel they made. So don't be one of those people. Continue to save. Insure yourself properly. The last tip I would have for you is stay in your own business. Years ago, 
I had a client that was a real estate developer. And I have a number of clients that are real estate developers, very wealthy. Some of them are extremely wealthy, net worth is of $60, 70000000 million. And they gave me some advice a while back when I said, should I buy my own building? And they said, you could do that, Joel. And some CPAs and, and advisors would say it's a good investment. But here's what I believe. One of them said this to me. Here's what I believe. If you're really good at something, stay in your own business. And if you're going to buy a building, now you're in a different business. You're a landlord. Um, you're a landlord to yourself, but you're still a landlord. You've got other distractions. And you may find over time that even though it might have been a good investment, that it was a distraction for you along the way. And your rate of return wasn't that great. Now, I say that with hesitance because some of you out there listening to this, if you didn't own your own building, you'd be in a lot of financial trouble because you haven't saved any other money. So I'm not discouraging you to buy your own building. What I'm just saying is be very cognizant of the fact that if you start focusing on other things, you're taking the focus off your business, and we know how lucrative our business can be. Other things I've seen, I've seen people get into the car wash business. I've seen people get into the restaurant business and lose their shirts. All kinds of other businesses that we as financial advisors get into because we see so much cash pass through our hands and through our bank accounts, and we start getting investing in all these crazy things. Uh, in my opinion, you should stay in your business. If you're good at your business, make your money in your business. The other neat thing is I think you ought to own the, pro the products that we sell. I own a lot of whole life insurance. I own uh, annuities. I own real estate investment trust. I own business development companies. I have my own personal money in every single of the uh, investment advisory models that I manage. Uh, we have money with Global at our firm, so I have my money, my personal money, in a Global model. And uh, we have money with another money manager, and I have my personal money with another money manager. When I share at our client events and we go through a... Uh, a group client review like we're doing as I record this this afternoon. We have 280 people coming in, two different sessions that are our managed money clients. We're going to go through a group managed money uh, event, and I'm going to explain their statements to them and my investment philosophy just to refresh them. I'll be using my parents' statements because guess what? My parents are in my models. So buy what you sell, eat what you cook, and uh, stay in your own business. Hopefully this has been helpful for you. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm preaching to you, but I tell you, I was out on that Advisors Elite trip, and I was having some conversation with some guys, and it was reminding me of other conversations I've had, and I realized there are just too many people in our business that don't keep their financial house in order. We make a lot of money in this business. We help a lot of other people, and I think we should be leading by example, and especially with our families. Sometimes our families have paid a deep cost as we build our financial advisory practices, not seen us as much. We've missed games. Um, we've missed being home with our spouses. Uh, we've worked till 7 or 8 at night. Give them the financial stability of having a house in order so that when you go off to work and you take those risks, yeah, you can do that because you're driven by that. But behind you, you leave a family that's got a good, solid financial rock to stand on. Hopefully, this has been really helpful. I know it's been different, but I think it's very valuable. And I look forward to talking to you next time. If you're listening to the Rainmaker Revolution podcast, um, that's great. If you're not, you can subscribe to that. It's a public podcast. It has nothing to do with Advisors Excel. It's rainmakerrevolution.com. Subscribe to that podcast. And if you're hearing this on Ideas at Work, um, again, uh, give uh, your marketer feedback on this. Uh, tell them if you hated it, loved it, so I know how to uh, deliver more value to you in the future. Thanks a lot.